Hello, and welcome back to the second episode of the One Play Sports Podcast. My name is David Hebner, and I'm the host of the show. Last week, I got to share a little bit about my own story, my background, uh, my personal background, and my background in sports. And that was an awesome way to, I feel like, for you guys to get to know me a little bit. But today, I'm very happy to announce that I have my first ever guest on the podcast. But before I have today's guests on, I want to cover a couple of uplifting stories that I've recently seen in the sports world because everybody knows that especially in these times that we're living in anybody any and everybody could use some good news first off we have Andre Roberson from the Oklahoma City Thunder he back in January of 2018 ruptured his platellar tendon in his left knee he was supposed to come back in November of 2018, but had a couple of setbacks from surgery and is just now making it back to the NBA floor for the first time. And he made it into his first game uh, at the Orlando restart in the bubble in the scrimmage game against the Boston Celtics. This makes me super happy because I'm an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. I've loved them ever since they got Kevin Durant and I've kind of stuck with them ever since. Um, I'll, also, I love Charlotte, but OKC is kind of in my team for a while, and it's a guy that always was a defensive lock on that team, and to have him back means the world to that team defensively, and it's just great to see somebody who come back from injury, who's battled and battled and battled and finally is able to get back out there. Um, and that's just something that you love to see, especially any sports fan. Um, you don't want to see people injured. Um, even if you don't like that team necessarily, like you don't want to see somebody injured. And it's just great to see Andre Roberson back on the floor. Now switching gears a little bit from the basketball court to the baseball diamond. Rockies pitcher Daniel Baird finally made it back to the mound after 2,600 days off between appearances. Um, he was pitching with the Red Sox in 2013 and came down with a condition of the yips, which is basically wrist spasms due to a neurological condition. Um, and there is no real cure for something like this. It's just something you got to work through. And I can't imagine how frustrating that would be being somebody that set the Red Sox team record with 25 scoreless appearances in 2011 and losing your control because that's what this disease does to you. It causes wrist spasms, which makes you lose your control. And as a pitcher, you know that that's the one thing that you need to be able to control. You need to be able to control where you're throwing the baseball. You need to be able to throw where you want to throw so you can try to get batters out. And I just can't imagine how frustrating that would be. Um, I'm super happy that he's back. Those are the feel-good stories for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed them. And let's get into the interview with Anthony. Today's guest is one of my good friends. He's from Poughkeepsie, New York. He is a former college pitcher who played for uh, St. John Fisher College. And he was a former intern with me down in Charlotte, North Carolina for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, please welcome to the show my friend, Anthony Lacides. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. How, how are you been? Good. How about yourself? Doing good, you know. Just getting to see some sports back again, which is nice to see. Yeah. 
see the Yankees no. win still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Red Sox, not so much, but yeah, it's all right. Um, you guys won a World Series recently, man. Yeah. Enjoy it. That's true. Um, hey, Anthony, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background so they can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, man, absolutely. So I went to St. John Fisher, um, Division Three, out in Rochester, New York, originally from Poughkeepsie, New York. I started off as an accounting major out there, played baseball all four years there, and halfway through, I switched to sport management because accounting really wasn't for me. It was pretty hard, but... Um, I don't blame you. I was a business minor <laughs> myself, and accounting yeah, yeah, was yeah. rough. It's hard, man. It's hard. But, um, but yeah, man, I switched over to sport management, and I kind of ran with it from there. I... Did four years in the student athlete advisory committee, an NCAA sanctioned committee on campus. I did my sophomore year as the vice president, and then junior senior year as the co-president with um, my one friend Ashley Maynard from field hockey. So we kind of ran that together. And between that, playing baseball, I also had an internship in the athletic department under the compliance coordinator Jen Granger. And then I got fortunate enough, man. I graduated school spring of 2019. Fall 2019, I had an internship with the Hornets down in Charlotte, and that's how I met David. It was an unbelievable experience. Myself, Griffin, and David, we sat there, the three of us, on intern row, and we Amen. made the most out of it. So it was a good time down there. Um, really, all those experiences kind of developed everything through to kind of get me to where I am now. So no complaints, but it was yeah. a hard path to start for sure. Yeah, I, can, I feel that. Um so just let's start talking about base your baseball career for a little bit. Like how long did you play baseball in total? And like, did you go to college like planning to play baseball or was it something that you just decided to pick up once you got to school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I probably started playing baseball when I could walk, man. Like yeah. <laughs> it's just how it goes. But yeah. I, um, but no, I mean, when I was looking at colleges, I ultimately like knew I wanted to play baseball in college. I mean, division one, two, three, man, really didn't matter to me. I mean, Everyone wants to go yeah. D1, go pro, but, like, baseball is, is unique because they find you no matter where you are. Like, I had a kid drafted at my school when I was a freshman. So, oh wow, really, man, like, like in baseball, they find you anywhere. So, along those lines, like, I knew, like, per se, like, the odds are stacked against me when it comes to getting drafted and going yeah. to the league. But um, but just having that opportunity to play in college, play Division three, I always knew, like, if I wasn't going to play Division one, like, if I was going to focus on D2, D3 schools, like, I want to focus myself for my life after sports because D3 is the ultimate goal for an athlete, I feel like. Like, yeah, you have your sports in your life, but then you also have a really good chance to focus on your career and what exactly. you want to do after your sports end. So that was really where I went. But um, along those lines, I, I was fortunate enough to come into a really good situation up there where we went to the College World Series my freshman year and to witness that dog pile in regionals to go to the World Series probably one of the greatest oh, that's awesome. I ever had. And then to work my way through all four years was, uh, was fascinating. Like I may not have had the most playing time or had the craziest stats by any means, but yeah, between all those things to be able to help me develop and well-round myself. Like I was a captain my senior year. And if you asked me if I was ever going to be a captain my first three years, I'd have been like, now nah, you're crazy. Like <laughs> I was the guy that just kind of did my thing, like did what yeah. I was told, like, but I always led by example. And that's what the coaches loved and coachable, man. I think that's really one of the big things in life. You have to learn to be coachable in sports and life and in a job. So really kind of how I went through my whole baseball experience that's awesome um what was was it hard like being a student athlete trying to manage like your schoolwork, the social life and then practice and like games and stuff like that what was that kind of like balance life like 
I would say early on it was tough. I think when yeah. you come into it, like obviously like playing sports in high school made it a little easier, but yeah. I mean, you get there in college and it's a full round, full year. Like you have like so many practices you can get in the fall. You have so many you can get in the winter leading up to your season, but you're always doing stuff in between if it's an optional workout, anything really. So I think like the balance early on was tough. I think a testament was to our coach making us do mandatory freshman study halls at the time. Mm-hmm. really make us focus on our schoolwork too which i think is it really is important because you want to be well-rounded and like you can't play sports in college or in anything outside of being a professional athlete in school like unless your grades are good so you need grades yeah, to be able to sure. play which which is important but um i think as i went on i really learned the balance of it more i mean i definitely had my fair share of all-nighters and whatnot like, oh yeah sometimes, sometimes it just goes man but like my senior year i think my senior year was the toughest my fall semester like between like our fall practices and then yeah. our off season lifting. And then like the amount of work I had, like I had the hardest classes in my, in my programs requirements all at once. So oh, yeah. between my senior capstone class, literally designing a sporting event from nothing that's never been done before. We did a, uh, the Clippers coming back to Buffalo for a preseason game to be the Braves. And it's funny because this was two years ago, fall 2018. And now they wear the Buffalo Braves Jersey. So it's like, go figure. Like they didn't yeah, want right. to talk to us when we yeah. were, we were trying to do this, but yeah. um, they didn't reach out to you for jersey. advice. Yeah, which is funny, but um, but yeah, um, but it was just it was a lot. Like I mean, I I ended up going out to the um, MLB winter meetings in Vegas that year, that same uh, fall semester. So did that was out there for four days. Came home at like back to Rochester. I got back at like four a.m., six a.m. I think it was like four a.m. I like slept for like an hour, woke up, like got myself ready, had to go to campus for like seven a.m. to start my presentation for Capstone. Jeez. So, so it was a lot, man. I mean, I was pulling it all nighter, like once a week, like every Monday that semester, which is crazy, and it's not good for your body. But just doing all those things, it's a lot. I mean, my last thing on that topic, but my uh, my like spring semester senior year, yeah, I think I spent more days in a hotel than I did in my actual bed. Jeez. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, no, I, think, like, I believe each, it. I think each week, I was spending more. I mean, we only played 40 games, but like, it was. I felt like we were just always on the road, man. Like on a bus, like yeah. going somewhere, like weekend gets canceled an hour away from us it's like oh we're going to cleveland to go play case western like out of nowhere so like it's like just being adaptable to that too really so it's a lot yeah i bet (laughs) dang that's a quick turnaround time for that winter meeting that's that that sounds like a rough morning yeah man it was cool though i met some cool people i met uh i met michael brantley's agent down there joshua kuznick if kuznick ever hears this man that's a shout to him like he always helps me out he uh I always stay in touch with him. He always, I always shoot stuff his way. He shoots stuff my way, helps me with any job I'm looking at. So that's really awesome. thankful I got a chance to meet him just walking out of yeah, the job fair. Definitely. Like, oh, Andrew McCutcheon signed with Philly. And this random guy next to him, like my friend and I that were down there, he was like, oh, he signed with Philly. How much he signed for? We were like, oh, like two, three years, 50 million, whatever he got. And he was like, oh man, like I'm Michael Brantley's agent. We were negotiating with him. I was like, <laughs> no way. And I met the guy at the, at the um, out of the uh, like casino and stuff at night and that's because like all the executives man they're all out there at night like it's funny man like i saw aaron boone playing dice i walked by um alex cora dave roberts you name it man Jeez. like i was on the i i walked behind the mlb tonight set one day oh that's awesome and i called my mom and i was like mom like put on put on mlb network she was like she turned it on she's like wow I was like you'll see and it's just me just in the back <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it was fun man it was a really cool experience that's awesome um so you kind of talked about this a little bit um going to the college world series but overall what was your favorite moment from college playing college baseball i think the grind i think the grind of it with with all my teammates i think that was kind of i think that's what like bought me in like 
like, you know, there was all those countless memories that like going to the World Series, going back to regionals the next year, going to Florida every year for our spring trip. So I think, like, just that grind that goes into it, I think yeah. that was probably my favorite part of it. Like, every day, like, those guys want to get better. And, like, I think it's a testament to the coach as a player-driven culture in a sense. Like, I think it's important. Like, we weren't a big 6 a.m. lifting team, practices. Like, our coach always, like, all oh, that does is just show me you can show up on time. It doesn't mean, like, you're going to work hard. Like, some guys can't work out at that time. Some guys can do different things. So I think, like, finding a balance, for, like, as a coach, I think that was really important. And, like, that allowed us to be successful. So that's kind of how I would intertwine all that. That's awesome. Um, was there, now kind of switching gears a little bit, um, was there one specific moment where you kind of realized, like, you wanted to work in the sports field? Or has it kind of always just been, like, you love, like sports, so it's kind of like, all right, I want to work in the field as a career? Yeah, so I knew, like, when I was first an accounting major, I was like, oh, I would love to be an accountant in, like, an accounting department for, like, a professional sports team. But, I mean, as that went on, I just never really liked accounting at that point. Like, yeah. and it was too much for my head. But um, Don't blame me. I always knew I did want to work in sports, like, yeah. even going into college. But, okay. um, but along those lines, it was kind of just, like, finding my niche, per se. Like, mm-hmm. I went from wanting to be an accountant to wanting to do college athletics to now wanting to do partnerships. I think that's yeah. so fascinating, and you really get a chance to build a relationship with all these accounts that you build, which is really cool. Being able to do that firsthand in Charlotte was really fun. Oh, definitely. All right. Speaking of Charlotte, let's kind of get into talking about the internship a little bit. Um, what was the internship process or the application process like? And can you give any advice to people or students looking for um, internships or jobs now? It's kind of like the same process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, so like a lot of the sports teams and stuff, like they post their jobs on teamwork online, front office sports and LinkedIn. I think those are the big three. I think you can say that too. And, um, like my whole process, man, like I had to do two internships for credits. Like my first one was in the athletic department, 120 hours. And then I had to do 400 hours. And so when I graduated the spring of 2019, like I really didn't know what I wanted to do for my internship, but I knew like, kind of like was like looking all over i was willing to go anywhere to go kind of learn and get that experience and i'm lucky man charlotte was the only place i applied to (laughs) wow so so it was the only place i applied to man it's the only one that really stuck out to me it was something i could do so i really tried to tailor my when it came to my whole interview process i really tried to tailor my interview to sports and what like i've really seen of late and like they asked me like what was a partnership um or sponsorship partnership thing you've seen in sports that caught your eye and i was like i was at the nycbl all-star game home run derby the day before watching one of my teammates in it and the outfield wall was full of um of like billboards on the outfield side yeah. like two levels and the mc was saying what were like what sign the home run was were going over so to me like knowing i had the interview the next day like i made sure like i was looking at those signs and seeing what it was and if it intrigued me and I tailored it to my interview the next day and they they have something they really liked. So along those lines of like the interview process and like what I would tell people, man, is like always look to find ways that you can relate everyday things that you do. Like if it's in the sports world or if it's in your daily life or regular job, how can you tailor something that you do daily to something that is in that industry you're going into, which I think is really important. Definitely. Um, so kind of what was the internship like? Like what were your daily responsibilities? Uh, just talk a little bit about that. Oh man, absolutely. So I, I came in, man, like think like one thing my professor told me before I went down was like, be the hardest worker and keep your head down. Which I think is really important. Like 
Like, don't sit there and get lost in the pro sports glamour, per se. Yeah. Like, you're working for an NBA team. So, like, I came into it, like, really looking forward to just doing whatever they told me to do. Like, mm-hmm. started off, like, reorganizing our storage closet. Yeah. Like, Griffin and I, like. Yeah. Yeah, man, it seemed, it seemed really small at the time, but it was something that, like, really, like, allowed me just to, like, attack something, clean it off, like, create a spreadsheet that, like, I'd never had before. There was yeah. no really tracking of, like, what was being taken in, taken out. So, yeah, really, for me, it was just kind of like track, like doing something that hadn't been done before. Yeah, to, like make them see, like, hey, like, I can, I know what I'm doing. Like, let this kid do more and more. And eventually, like, I got to the point where I was, um, I was in charge of specific assets for for um, partners. So, like, Sprite had the game ball delivery. So every single game, I was like Griffin and I, like, I had more of the lead on this one. Like, we 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 balanced out, like, yeah, yeah. what assets and whatnot. But like for the, the Sprite game ball, like, we would go meet the family by the guest experience window have them sign a waiver. They get a um, mm-hmm. penny to wear on the court, a signed mini ball by one of the players, which is really cool, man. Those kids' faces used to light up. And then I tell oh, them like yeah. seven minutes before game time, we'd uh, come find them in their seats, take them down to the game ops tunnel. And so then they would be brought out and they'd go out to center of court with the ref. I'd take a picture of them and I would email it out to the family the next day. But like, I wish I had to go above and beyond because yeah, definitely. like ultimately it's, um, it's sports and entertainment now. And I think hospitality is a really big part of it. So like, I would always offer the family, like if they wanted a family picture of them at the game, like I'm more than willing to take it. Like I have the camera in my hand. Exactly. So, like just to offer something like extra to them. Like they're a part, like their family and like someone in their family works for Sprite Coca-Cola. So to me, like, for them, like, if you want to give them a good experience, and then when they go back to, like, their to their people that are in charge of, like, handing out their tickets and whatnot within their own organization, like, they're like, oh, like, the this kid offered a picture of my family and I and went above and beyond. So, like, just to be able to do that and create a better relationship between the two sides, I think is really good because it's a partnership. It's not more than a sponsorship now. It's really a partnership yeah. where both sides are mutually collaborating and working together on something. So, that and then... Also, like, what else? What else was there? I'm trying to think, man. There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while, um, man. Like, we finished in December. But, I know um, it's crazy. Like working with the social team, like you. I mean, yeah, you weren't yeah. in the meetings. You weren't in those meetings as much per se. But yeah. like you, cause you were always down by the court. But yeah, yeah, yeah. would um we would always we'd have social meetings, partnership digital meetings once a yeah. week where we would work to collaborate on things that like partnerships could do. Yeah. On digital platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and whatnot, and go through that and be able to allow that to happen make sure like oh, every side can do what what's being asked which is it's a collaborative effort man like every there's so many intertwining parts that make things work in, in professional sports like, oh, that it's, it's crazy mind. it's crazy like oh like if you want to do this it has to be approved by this 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 game ops has to approve it ultimately like yeah it's crazy it's really yeah. crazy and to see now like how do you how creative these teams are being now during the like, with sports starting back up like, yeah. especially baseball like yeah. you see like the seats now are covered with like partners yeah. and then like You've never, I've never really seen like fa- like partners being like spray painted on the grass and stuff like painted on the grass and the foul lines. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, you're seeing that more and more now. So I mean, yeah. there's another way to get eyes on the brands, even if fans aren't in the seats now. So like it's just it's yeah. being creative and being unique that hasn't been done before. And I think like this whole pandemic and sports starting back up is really showing now what um what team what partnership groups and teams are able to do, how creative you can be. Oh, definitely, for sure. Um, was there a part of the internship that was kind of like a learning curve for you or something that was there a difficult situation you kind of had to overcome at first? Um, I think the learning curve, like the first two, three weeks, 
Yeah. I think that was really the big thing, like learning the systems and their softwares and their pl- and things they yeah. use. Like uh, Core Connect. Um, like I've never used Microsoft CRM before. I've never used any CRM service before. Yeah. So to do those things was eye-opening to me. Like I was asking our uh, BI girl, our lady, sorry. Sorry, Sophia. <laughs> sorry, Sophia. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sophia, she was awesome, man. But, um, but like asking her, playing 21 questions with her every five minutes, trying to figure things out. Like it was hard, but it yeah. was um, it was really cool, like just to be able to get that learning curve early on, and then I think as the internship went on, it was more just, "Hey, here's this, go do it, and let us know how it goes." And I think that was way more fun. So, yeah, for sure. Because it's, I think it's better when they're not necessarily when, like your supervisor is necessarily like micromanaging you. And I think like not only Kristen, my supervisor, but yeah. the whole department, man, like they'd give us something and be like, "If you're struggling with something, like come ask us a question, and we'll help you." So I think yeah. that was really really good man because like they have way more experience than we do so yeah for sure yeah definitely um was there something that you learned during the internship about the nba that you didn't know before i think just how much goes into it yeah i think that's the craziest part man like just seeing how much goes into making a sporting event what it is now like like obviously back in the day like you'd have your broadcast crew you'd have these things but like now it's like mm-hmm. you have your 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 hype crew your in-game entertainment like the list yeah. goes on man so i think like just seeing how yeah. much really goes into it was really like mind-blowing to me because like now like i'm at the point where like i'm looking at jobs and it's like what's the one thing i'm really missing and it's managing accounts per se yeah so, like for me like i really tried to like take everything in like I've always tried to take things in from every everyone I meet and try to like yeah. learn like what they do well, like how can that fit me and how can that help me in my career? So really yeah. just trying to, trying to learn all that, man. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. What was your favorite part about living in Charlotte per se, or just Charlotte in general? I think living in a big city. I think that was, it's like one of the fastest growing cities. So like everything was popping up new all over the place. Like I was fortunate enough, man, to like one, like live with another intern. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, like, I also had um, someone else I lived with that works for ESPN. Yeah. So like having another person in the sports industry per se was like a really big, just like eye opener, like seeing him on the go all the time, like bouncing around all SEC, ACC broadcasts and whatnot. But, um, but just seeing like all that stuff, like Charlotte, man, is beautiful. Like that whole area, like was really, really fascinating. And then even being able to sit in on like the Charlotte sports and business, um, like once a month, uh, like, Q and A's, I would call it per se. Yeah. Like they had Rosalind Durant from ESPN that started the SEC network, and now she launched the ACC network. Oh wow! Now she's working with the bubble for the yeah. NBA and ESPN. So like that's really cool, man. I got a chance, excuse me, to listen to like how she goes about starting something up and how she really tries to make it a collab. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. Collaborative effort. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. What was one thing you learned specifically about partnerships that you learned through the internship? One thing I learned, man, was like how much like daily contact goes in and how like you're always like, like you need proof of performance to show like your partners like, hey, like this asset ran, like we're doing these things. Yeah. And like, the, I think just like how much goes into it. Like if you want to make this asset a thing, like, you run it with um, like game ops if it can be done. Then you work with your business intelligence on how much should this asset cost. Um, like the list goes on, man. Like working with like your with your chief revenue officer, working with you name it, digital, social, making these videos out with um, the, what was his name, Kyle down that working yeah, yeah, downstairs. Yeah, yeah Kyle. so like kind of like balancing everything around, man. I think just seeing how much really goes into making things happen. 
Because, I mean, ultimately, you got to be as creative as possible. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, you got to be able to, like, learn how to, like, work with everyone else. Because, like, just, like, if you're just saying, oh, like, I'm going to make this asset, this asset's going to be a thing. Like, they're, they're going to give me this X amount of dollars. Like, it's not going to work. Like, you got to work with your partner and every department in your organization to make it work, which is crazy, crazy to think about. Definitely. Um, and then the second part of that, just kind of like if anyone's considering like the business side of sport ma- or sports management, like why would you th- think that they should do partnerships or sponsorships? Yeah. So I would say like, if like if they are big into relationship management and like enjoy, not only enjoy the sports side, but like needing to be creative and unique because you want to make things that haven't necessarily been done before. Like, we were trying to get Krispy Kreme as a partner and at the time we were brainstorming and they don't get into sports. The only teams they're with are the Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights. And like, it's, they're small packages. Yeah. Like for, for the Panthers, it's like every time they're in the red zone, it's a Krispy Kreme hot zone. And then the uh, Golden Knights do every time a shutout, all the fans get a free donut the next day with the proof of their ticket because the, oh, the zero is a donut. Yeah. Me, I was like, why not go above and beyond with that? Like take, take the uh, Hornets, like Hornets score 120 points in a home game. The so 12 is a dozen and the zero could be a dripping glazed donut. And they're hot and ready signs flashing, going off like crazy, like a moment yeah. of exclusivity. And all the fans get a free donut the next day because if you think about it, like yeah. you're more likely to go buy more than just your free donut. You're going to get a coffee. You're going to get a dozen donuts at the time, bring it to the office, bring it home to the kids. So like it showed the media ROI. And like that was something I really learned. I was like trying to be creative and that made the pitch deck. I don't know how the deal has gone since I left, but yeah. like to see like it's something I came up with and how I learned everything through was really big. So, but back to the whole, like, why would I tell a sport management student to get in the point, like want, want to pursue partnerships. Like if you're big into relationship management and you enjoy, like not only enjoy, like not only enjoy sports, but like just want to be creative. I think like you got to have a full collaboration of all these things to really make it, make it work. Cause it is a lot. It's the tactic, like you're bringing in like, you're responsible for a lot of money coming into an organization. So yeah, go big or go home, right? Yeah, <laughs> Go big <laughs> or go home, man. All right. How would it go um, for partnerships? Like with how you have like your primetime games that are a national broadcast. I know like we had the one where Kemba came back um, and when we were in Charlotte, I mean, that was our only one, but how would that be different than like a local game that would be on Fox necessarily? Yeah, like yeah. So, yeah. So I, this is, I actually found this out down there. So any national broadcast for the NBA, it's probably the same for baseball. Like I see, yeah. like, I was watching the Yankee game this weekend, like Fox had the green screen on the rotating signage behind the plate. But so down in Charlotte, this was really unique was any national broadcast for the NBA, all signage that can be seen on the broadcast, like any basically courtside, like the rotating LEDs, like those don't really matter because they're not shown on the broadcast. But anything that's shown on the court, whether it's your, um, like we had Gatorade kick plates in the bottom of each seat, mm-hmm. those are all gone. The basket padding, that's all gone. Um, like Libman towels, those are gone. Um, but you name it, man. So everything on the court is gone, and it's all part. It's all uh, league partners. So like when we were in Charlotte, like because TNT had the broadcast. So, like, during the game, it was a lot of, like, Bleacher Report being posted, like, BR Kicks. Yeah. So, like, they're pushing their brand because TNT and Bleacher Report is owned by Turner Sports. Yeah. So, so those things was, like, really unique to see. And, like, it sucks because it's, like, you look at, like, say, like, the Lakers, right? The Lakers have 
more games on prime time probably than a lot of teams. Yeah. And all those local partners, I mean, granted, they're the Lakers. They're going to get big-time partners. They're not going to be as local as, like, the Charlotte Hornets. But, like, any local partners that have, like, court, like uh, visible signage down by the court, like, that's all gone. So, like, they're losing millions yeah. of viewership eyes on that because it's going to a national broadcast instead of being on the uh, local broadcast. And even the NBA, though, the NBA still does local broadcast even when the um, – national broadcasts are being played. So, like, even when Charlotte played on TNT against the Celtics, you still got to watch that game on Fox Sports Southeast. Yeah. So, like, that game's still on the local broadcast, but you can't see any of that local signage, which is yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, definitely. That's that's mind-boggling how, like, the control mm-hmm. that the league can have over what they're trying oh, to show. Absolutely, I mean, man. absolutely. It's all, it's all money. I mean, you got to do it. Money talks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I know during the internship, we had a project for us interns, the intern project. Why don't you tell a little bit about the project, the whole process and kind of like what that was like for you and how that, or how you used it as a learning experience. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we went into that, the college rush pass program was designed for discounted college, discounted tickets for college students. And they were trying to increase signups for the pass and get more tickets to be sold. And they wanted us to go to campuses, like the six around the, around the arena that are in the city of Charlotte, basically, and table to get them to sign up for the program and get, uh, get them to buy tickets. And I know like you can only get the tickets for the games on the app day of game, like all day. And then 90 minutes before tip off, like leading up to the game. So like, you don't really have much leeway as a guy's a college student. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm not going to spur the moment that I'm going to a professional sporting event. Like I'm going to plan that out with some friends and go. So to me, like, so to me, like it was kind of one of those things where like they've tried to do the same thing they did every semester with the interns and it just didn't seem like it really like went anywhere. So we had like maybe like two to four weeks left before our internship ended. And we just kind of scrapped the whole idea they wanted us to do. And like, made it more about like each department that we had of interns in our group. Cause we split up into two groups of like mm-hmm. 20 interns we had or something like that, maybe a little less. But, um, but like when we were doing that, we had the, like, we were like, let's try to in- incorporate things that like every department does that were interns. Like I was in partnerships. Like David was in, uh, you were in, was it more considered digital? It was like, it was a mixture. I was on the digital team. I mean, my main thing was video, but okay. kind of doing yeah. a bunch of different stuff. I never, never really knew yeah. like, what you were considering the same. Yeah, it was, the, it was video, but I mean, we had two video interns. We had me and Rob, who was downstairs, kind of yeah. doing the creative side. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. So, yeah, back to that whole project. We, um, the, like, we had marketing, community service, um, you name it. We were really all over. We really tried to diversify, like, how we were going about it. So. We did, a, we did a thing called the all-fly arrival using, like, the team bus to have, like, the Fox Sports bus that says, like, all-fly across it because, like, that was their model for the year. Like, when we fly, all-fly, which, like, was pretty fascinating. Like, we'll go to campuses. Like, you get 50 students to sign up for the – you get up to 50 students, bus into the game. They get a whole experience. They meet with professionals from the organization to really learn about the industry and build them build out their interest and knowledge of the sports industry and professional sports and the NBA. But then for us, like, ultimately, like how, like, how can you try to generate more revenue off that package? We really went after 
trying to do a partnership entitlement. So like the program wants to provide value to students. So we ultimately went with um, Chegg as just an example, because Chegg wants to provide value to students. It was, if you, if you sign up for the program, you get a free textbook rental next time you log into Chegg. So that's just an immediate ROI to Chegg, which was really cool. Like people really liked that. And it was just being able to encompass everything we learned. I think that was really the big point. And like the, like that, like the learning experience, like we learned how to take everything we were doing and putting it into something, which was really beneficial to me. And so I think everyone in our group. Definitely. All right. Switching gears here a little bit. Um, did you watch the last dance? And if you did, what was your favorite part of the documentary? I think seeing Jordan's competitiveness, like yeah. we didn't grow up in a time where we got to watch Jordan play. Like, great. Yeah. We hear the six rings, like Jordan's the greatest of all time. Yeah. But like, like to see like how he actually motivated his teammates, like he wasn't afraid to get in your face. And I think like that's kind of a lost art in today's sports world. Like, yeah. like we grew up watching Yankees Red Sox and they yeah. hated each other. Oh yeah. And now it's like, it's like, oh, like the Yankees lost to the Red Sox. But, like it's no big deal. Yeah. But those teams used to hate each other, man. Yeah. Was almost- I, I, I think like, I think having that like yeah. rivalry and like, edge in your head man yeah. like mentality like you, you gotta want to go get it and i think that was something that really stood out to me and jordan like jordan wasn't afraid to tell you how it is and, yeah like, we don't really tell it how it is anymore no no speaking of the red sox yankees rivalry i think it was like 16 years ago like this week when that whole a rod veritek altercation <laughs> happened. the haymaker the haymaker yeah um crazy yeah and then I think my favorite part of that whole thing was just my mind was blown by the, I think it was like in the third part about the shoes, how MJ signed for Nike for $3 million and how he's turned that brand into a multi, mm-hmm. I think billion dollar. He didn't even want to go to Nike, man. His mom, he, his mom made him go to Nike. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah, mom man, loved crazy. that. She was like, yeah, you now, should listen to your mother more, huh? She's like, yeah. And now, and now it's the most recognizable brand in sports. In sports. Nike, man. Yeah. Nike was originally a track shoe. Blue track shoe. Yeah, so they were a track shoe and then get one athlete and then their whole uh, operation blows up by yeah, dude dude actually like speaking of just like Nike, like Yeah. So when the net so when the Nets were in Jersey, I read this I actually read this yesterday. This is crazy for me. Like they were almost the Nets almost sold the naming rights to not be called New Jersey. They were gonna be called the Nike Nets. Wow. How crazy is that? This was this is probably like 90s to early 2000s but like wow when they were switching yeah, from they, they, new jersey no, to when, they, when, they, when they were in jersey and they were, were struggling to get fans they were like why not just call ourselves the nike net wow it almost but there was too many legal yeah with it but it was crazy and then i think one of the other crazy things was seeing a couple people that we interacted with in charlotte oh, man. on the broadcast like seeing james TV, jordan man. You know, cool, being, man. yeah, being in the conference room for, with him for an hour, like, or just seeing him around the arena on mm-hmm. game days, or it was just nuts, like, mm-hmm. see, you know, seeing him in that. Yeah, man. I wish we saw Jordan, though. I wish we saw Michael. I know. Did you see MJ at all, or? I, one, one time, like, yeah. opening night, I saw he left his suite to go. He, I guess he stands behind the bench a lot when it's like yeah. a post game and they're winning. And he always, like, goes down there because he's a player at heart, man. So, yeah. It's a basketball guy. Yeah. Definitely. All right, let's switch a little bit to current sports predictions. 
and kind of current sports culture. Um, I saw this debate on, I think it was first take actually, and I'm curious as to what you think. Who do you think will benefit the most from the 60-day season for the MLB? I think Tampa. Tampa and the Yankees. The Yankees got healthy. The Yankees weren't going to be healthy all year. I think, but Tampa is so unique, man. Like those guys, those guys, those guys could could break forty wins just as easily as the Yankees, Dodgers, and Astros. Yeah. So like, I mean, also too, like the Astros got so lucky. Like, yeah. They got no fans. They got to deal. Yeah, exactly. With. Like, I go to I go to the cheer at home thing. I try to boo the Astros all the time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I did it the other day. No, I don't play. I don't blame you. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say the Astros. I mean, I mean, dude, like, like, just like, I mean, I'll definitely say Tampa, man. Like, Tampa is just. They're so good. Like, yeah. Them and, I mean, I don't know how Oakland will be per se because they're one of those teams that takes until June to get hot. Yeah. So, like, how are they going to react in a 60-game sprint where, like, Tampa man can just run with it? Like, they're yeah. like, oh, like, we're going to throw this guy, this guy, this guy, and you're not going to touch him, and you're not going to touch him. But, yeah. like, the Yankees, like, but, like, looking at, like, the Yankees, the Yankees were all hurt. Like, Judge wasn't supposed to play. Stanton wasn't yeah. going to play. Hicks wasn't going to play. Yeah. Like, like, just, like, those big names. So, like, to yeah. me, like, I think the Yankees benefited just as much as any team just because they were able to actually get healthy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say the Astros because no fans. But, uh, yeah, no you know. fans, man. It's yeah. I had tickets to Yankees-Astros in September. I'm really upset. <laughs> I'm trying to buy the tickets in May now when they come to the Bronx next year. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of harder I'll to – I'll bring my trash can and a wooden spoon. Yeah, it's harder to hit a uh, baseball when you don't know what's coming at so, you. Like, like, to me, like, it's crazy because, like – all those guys that took steroids, like, yeah, steroids yeah. are cheating, but, like, you still got to be able to hit the ball. Yeah. Astros, man, they knew what was coming. Yeah. You know what's coming? It takes out the element of hitting a baseball. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. Like, Clayton Kershaw's career would be completely different in that game five if they didn't – they knew what was coming, man. Like, the, yeah. they were whistling. Like, yeah. another thing, man, like, granted, like, like, I, like, I think every team was stealing signs to an extent. Like, yeah. a lot of, like – I'm surprised the Red Sox scandal was actually put out in the public because it wasn't anything to be, to be honest with you. Like yeah. they did with every team. The only thing they did was just use the Apple watch. Like, and they went to the replay room, which was at the time illegal in 2017. Then Manfred said, you can't do that. And I think every team was doing that. Every team was going to the replay room, breaking down the signs. And then like, I think they were just relaying it to the guy on second base to tell the hitter what was coming. The Astros just went above and beyond. Like, yeah. Like I don't think, yeah. Like say the say the Red Sox were using the Apple Watch. Like yeah, that's a a smidge too far. But like me playing baseball, like yeah, I don't necessarily say it's wrong in a sense because I think every team is doing something to an extent. Yeah, but like literally the Astros, deliberately the were using just technology to cheat. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I think out too. They knew it was coming in the end. Yeah, you don't you don't swing yeah. at a flatter like that and pull it. I'm yeah, telling you. No. So. Now the NBA is also restarted as well. Um, what do you, what are your predictions for it? Like, who do you think is going to come out on top at the end? Um, and just kind of what do you like? What do you think of it so far? The Brooklyn Nets. Nah, I'm just kidding. That's yeah, the, the, Nets, <laughs> the Nets, man. The Nets. They should get in the playoffs, but we'll see. Um, Where are they right now? They're the seven seed. They're half okay. game up on the eight, but Washington's still like six games back. Yeah. But um but yeah, no, but I think the Lakers man. Yeah. Lakers Clippers, I think that's gonna be a duel out there. Like there's but like I think veteran leadership is gonna be key in this. Like Yeah. Like um those two teams, like obviously Milwaukee, I think like 
if Philly somehow figures it out offensively, like no one's, I don't think anyone can beat them. They just go ahead and play on the road. That's really their thing. They can't yeah. go on the road. And Boston, but I mean, if Kemba's hurt, like I don't think they'll go anywhere. Yeah. But um, that's just that's just my take. But um, even Miami, yeah. dude, Miami. Yeah, they're not. They're team. good. They're really good this year. They're better, dude. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, man, knows how to yeah. win. No, definitely. And I wish I wish the Nets. Don't get me wrong. I'm so happy Durant and Kyrie came to Brooklyn and all that. Yeah. Like, but like, I'm a diehard D'Angelo Russell fan. Yeah. Like, to my like my heart, like I would have loved the D'Angelo Russell, Jimmy Butler pairing. Oh yeah. I thought I thought that would have been two dogs, man. Like going at yeah, it. Yeah, two but, dogs going at it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you wouldn't have stopped them, man. Like, D, no. like D'Lo would have ran the show, and Jimmy just would have played both ways. Like. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping Karis LeVert turns into that, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Not so, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I don't know. I don't know who's gonna come out of this and win yeah. this say. Yeah. But like you got you got you gotta give the teams with veteran guys that are the starters. No, definitely. The it's a star driven league. No, definitely. And like going back to your point of like the veteran, like this is all like um it's more like I mean, yeah, it's a physical game, but like it's a mental game. Like they're stuck mm-hmm. in the same place for months on end without their families, like without Oh know, yeah, it's crazy. Like the NBA, I think it's gonna be one of the most fascinating storylines. You stopped for three and a half, four months on a dime and yeah. picked it back up, and now you're playing in a bubble. Like, yeah. That's crazy, man. That's, it's like, Disney. You, know, you, you never would have thought of that. And then, like, no. I mean, I, like in an MLB 60 game sprint, we've never seen it before. I think no. more teams in the I think 16 is a lot of teams in the playoffs. But I, yeah. think, um, I think it's good for baseball to be able to put more eyes on the game. And as much as these owners cry, oh, we're losing money, like, they just signed a record deal with Turner Sports like multi-millions and like almost a billion dollars to broadcast the playoffs. Yeah. Before this deal was even put out. Yeah. So, so like it's, there's a lot of money involved, man. Money talks. Yeah. Money talks. Yeah. Hey Anthony, let's switch a little bit into college sports. Do you think we'll be seeing college football this fall and college basketball in the winter and springtime? There's too much money involved in my eyes that like they're going to try to do everything possible to play because yeah, out of all your college sports and your college sport programs like college football and college basketball are the two top by far fund fund all your sports from operating at a loss three point something percent of march madness revenues fund all division three championships like that's that's how much money they make man that's how much money they make that much money that three point something percent funds all of division three championships where do you learn that at school Learned that freshman year in freshman or sophomore year in the student athlete committee. Like we were going like because like we would vote on legislation and stuff, and it'd be like like we were voting on stuff like for like 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 amount of like days you can practice, like like little like little legislation rolls and stuff. And our compliance uh, officer Jen Granger was like, "Yeah, like all D three championships are funded by like three point something percent of March Madness revenues." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Jeez. Like that's how much, dude. Like they make that much money in March Madness in a month that it it, it funds championships. That's that's absurd. It, I couldn't believe that, man. Jeez, it's crazy, man. Like obviously, like certain schools like make up like say like you're not a big basketball school, but you're a big football school, baseball school, like yeah. big baseball school that you can like charge like revenues to come in. Like there's very few like the SEC baseball programs probably somehow produce a produce a profit 
on their plus minus. So yeah, just one of those things. Like a lot of programs don't don't really do it. Like when the whole pandemic first happened, you saw a lot of colleges cut college baseball programs, Division One level, because it college baseball operates at a massive loss. That's sad too. It's sad, man. I mean, like you look at it, like all these college programs ship off their their baseball players to go play summer ball, and those yeah. summer ball teams make money off those kids being on the teams by putting yeah. fans in the seats and whatnot. Yeah. And the, it was the West. It was the West Virginia coach. He had a really good proposal. I don't know if it'll ever get approved or whatnot, but he said, "Let's start June one for our season, and Champions uh, College World Series is the end of August or something like that, or end of July, whatever. Whatever they, it would be end of August." realistically because yeah. your conference championships would start beginning of august i guess yeah. but you could make that a summer sport like a lot of students in baseball like tend to get drafted after their junior year so why not allow kids to take summer classes and it allows them a chance to finish in three years with an option to go to a grad school for a fourth year if they don't get drafted yeah like, and then and then if you're producing revenues by fans in the seats and concessions and all that you can now fund a third third paid assistant coach um you can increase your scholarship levels from 11.7 full scholarships if you're fully funded. Not all baseball programs are fully funded. So yeah. if you can increase your scholarship levels, you're more likely to get kids to come to the Division One level instead of going to the JUCO route, Division Two, Division Three, to be able just to play and try to get like more scholarship money. Like, like JUCO, you can get drafted any year, I think. I think after – I know like guys get drafted usually after yeah. – like, it's still that it's just crazy in my eyes. Like, why would you not try to think about making baseball a sport that you can make money on? Because they play like sixty games in their regular season at the Division One level. You have sixty games you can be making like revenues. Yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, I'm all for the student athletes to make money off their likeness and image, but I think like as a business of the sport, I think making revenues off sports that should be making revenues but aren't because they're just not in a good time here. No fans going to go sit in West Virginia in the middle of March when it's snowing and watch a baseball game in 30 degrees. Yeah, exactly. But but for the July weekend in West at West Virginia's baseball field, when the summer team in that area plays on the same field, it is packed for Fourth of July weekend. So yeah, no, I was literally about to say the same thing that you just said. Like nobody wants to go see a game in like February. I mean, I went down to school in Virginia, like, and I went to get mm-hmm. or I worked games in like March. Like it was freezing out. Like nobody wanted to oh, be. Oh man, cold man, and like, like dude, I'll tell you, man, I had too many games in the snow, like where it would be snowing, man. Like, oh yeah, especially you, with you in upstate New York. Miss that. Like, dude, no. I don't miss that. I don't miss the cold. No, no. that came along with it. So no, I do not blame you one bit. All right, Anthony, let's switch gears a little bit and go into a rapid fire segment so the viewers can get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. If you guys want to hear the full length of this rapid fire segment, go over to the YouTube page and find it there. So welcome to the segment of the One Play podcast where I'm going to be asking Anthony just some rapid fire questions, kind of just to get to know him a little bit. All right. So the first question is, what is your favorite sports moment you've ever witnessed in person? I mean, I'd say like a dog pile to go to the college world series but all but the number one sporting event i've ever witnessed in my life man was john gillen's buzzer beater to beat duke at the carrier dome in 2017 yeah greatest sporting event man to ever i could touch the top of the carrier dome like i could touch the bubble oh that's awesome i had forty thousand of my best friends that i never met before going crazy man it was insane 
That's awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a uh, great experience. What do you watch on Netflix? Like, what's your go-to to watch on Netflix? Or Hulu or whatever. Yeah, that's tough, man. I mean, dude, I don't know. I really, now that baseball's back on, like. Yeah. <laughs> or like before baseball was back, like, what were you watching? I mean, I do that. I love Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and the El Camino movie. Like, I've been, yeah. I, I watch Breaking Bad over and over again. Like, I just kind of will flip it on, just run through the show again. Yeah. And, and, but I love, I think Better Call Saul is even better than Breaking Bad. But that's really for another day. Oh, my not, God. Yeah, man. I actually haven't seen um, Better Call Saul, but I have seen Breaking Bad. You like Breaking Bad, man. Yeah. I think it's a great show. You watch Better Call Saul from the first episode on, and then it's like, everything starts to click. It's like, whoa, like this was something in Breaking Bad mm-hmm. that was like, it happened in Better Call Saul. But they did a really good job, man, of like doing a prequel to something that was really good to begin with. Wow. I'll have to watch that then. I might have to go back and watch a little bit of Breaking Bad though because it's been a couple of years since I watched it. Oh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely a great show that I would recommend if you have not seen it. Um, what is your favorite food? Or like if you had one meal that you could like live off of for the rest of your life like what would it be i mean i could live off my mom's homemade pizza yeah <laughs> that's a shout to her man like yeah we'll make it and i'll and i'll eat it like every day until it's gone yeah i feel that uh, yeah uh, yeah my mom's the same way makes always in me man oh yeah definitely definitely new york pizza is where it's at um favorite state though no not upstate man i think i got pizza like kind of on one hand how many times i had pizza in upstate yeah we had some good pizza in charlotte though at um what was that place that we went to um oh uh, fuel man fuel pizza yeah <laughs> dude that, that that was the lunch deal of the day shout out to griff for that one right Griffin, you see this man i loved our lunch i love i loved our lunch breaks yeah that was awesome that was a good time um favorite place that you've traveled to could be for playing baseball or just I mean, that's tough. I, I'd say, like, one, like, going to uh, Florida every year for baseball for for a week for, for our spring trip. Oh, I bet. Being right outside Orlando, like, yeah. that was an unbelievable experience every year. But, like, something I'm looking forward to go traveling, I'm supposed to go to Barcelona and Berlin at the end of November, early December. So, fingers crossed, man, I can go. I already yeah, bought, right. I bought my tickets. Well, my tickets back in March when flights plummeted. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Barcelona. Europe's beautiful. Barcelona's amazing. Mm-hmm. You'll, uh, you'll enjoy it for sure. I want to catch a soccer game, man. But really putting a damper on my uh, on my travel plans right now. Yeah, but all right. Um, favorite sports movie of all time? Oh man, I had Space Jam. Yeah. But also the Sandlot, man. I think the, the Sandlot's Lot. a classic. Like, like, like that's literally what my friends and I used to do. We used to just go play Yeah. At the park, man. Like Yeah. That's definitely yeah. I love that movie growing up too. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, so what would be the favorite piece of gear you got from your internship? Um, I have to say the Hornets polos. I think those were the cleanest, but then also like the last day they took so they took griffin and i out to lunch the other intern in our mm-hmm. department the two of us were all, the two of us man like i think i think we got along like way better than like any like intern pairings that were really there 
Like, yeah. I don't know, like, every, everyone got along well, man. But, like, Definitely, like yeah. and I just hit it off from day one and kind of ran with it. But they, right. um, they gave us a jersey on the last day, of it, and our nickname was Granthony. Like, they would email us something yeah. and be like, hey, Granthony, can you do this? And <laughs> That's awesome. They put Granthony on the back of a jersey with 19 for the, uh, for the semester. But, like. That's awesome. They threw it on, man. Like, it was pretty cool. Like, sh- shout out to the department for that one. Right? That's awesome. Gotta we gotta love that teal color too. That's oh, an icon. Teal, it's an man. icon. It's an icon. Like, oh man, cool absolutely. Teal. I might I might wear it to the lake this weekend. Honestly, now now that I yeah. figured it out, might as well, right? And last one. Um, what's your favorite MLB ballpark besides Yankee Stadium? Or if I'm a big fan of Yankee Stadium, I think it's very corporate. I think. I think City, I mean, I've only been to, really only been to Yankee City. Stadium and, and City Field. But City Field? I, I'm, okay. a big, I'm a big fan of the old, I'm a big fan of the old stadiums, no doubt. Like, Fenway is so cool. I always wanted to go to a game in Fenway. Um, yeah. But I, mean, I think, like, I think City Field is a really good fan atmosphere. And it, like, really, like, brings you in more as a fan than, than anything else. But that's just me. Yeah, definitely. Or if there's one ballpark that you want to go to that you haven't been to yet, like Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, Pittsburgh is like one of the best views, man. I've I've always wanted to go out there. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I've their outfield, the skyline's awesome. Yeah, with the bridge out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, pristine. Well, Anthony, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been a blast getting to talk to you. Do you want to? Real quick, give your social media handles for people if they want to get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. One, thank you for having me on. Like, I think I'm the first guest, so hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Only up from here, man. Hope people, people are gonna beat me moving forward. But uh, all the way up, all the way up, baby. But um, big, big things ahead. And yeah, man. Like Twitter is just at Aunt Lucides. Um, I kind of gotten away from social media a little bit of late. Um. Now that sports are back, I'm starting to tweet a little more and give my sports yeah. takes. But um, chirp a little bit. With that and then um, Instagram, Anthony Lucides, all together. And then my LinkedIn, man. Feel free to add me on LinkedIn if any sports people see this and want to chat and learn more about the industry. Like I was in your shoes once. I think we all are. I still am yeah. in your shoes. So yeah, any sports industry people that are looking to get into it are really trying to learn more than just listening to the podcast, man. Like feel free to shoot me a connect message me and we'll schedule something because I'm always trying to learn just as much as other people are trying to learn. So yeah. yeah. Amen. Always That's trying it. to learn. <laughs> always trying to learn. Learn and grow, baby. You learn and grow. Good things happen. Amen. It was good talking to you. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on and big things ahead for the podcast. We, uh, we're going to make this big. We're going to get some sponsors on this. We're going to go big so. time to the moon. Amen. The moon, man. Amen. <laughs> Got to see you out here soon, too. Come out to uh, Cape Cod and enjoy the uh, beach for a couple Oh, of absolutely, man. I can't believe it's already August this weekend. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But, yeah, no, I'll definitely be up soon. We'll, uh, we'll have a good time, man. And we'll, so, we'll social distance. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Wear masks six feet apart. <laughs> you know it, man. Take, All right. You have, a, have a good one. All right, you too.
All right, guys, thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed Anthony's story and just learning more a little bit about what it's like to work in the partnerships department of an NBA team. Be sure to follow the podcast on all of its social media channels. We're on Instagram, oneplay underscore podcast. We're on Twitter, oneplay podcast altogether. We're on YouTube as well and Facebook. And be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Be sure to like it up, subscribe, give it a five-star review. It really helps. If you have any questions, DM me. I would love to answer them in a future podcast episode. Be sure to tune in next week to the podcast when I have one of my good friends on. She is from the media side of sports. She is a former high school reporter in the state of Florida. She is a radio intern and a host at a radio station down in Tampa. And she is also a former softball player. So hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you next time. Ooh.